Welcome to the Business as Mission podcast, dedicated to those who long to see God glorified in business and the nations reached for Christ. Your host is Mike Bayer, longtime BAM leader and founder of Third Path Initiative, an online education resource for starting and growing BAM businesses around the world. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Business as Mission podcast. I have a now third-time returning guest, Jenny Nuccio. She was one of our earliest guests when we first started doing the podcast, and we had such a good time, and we got such a, a great response to her story about Imani Collective in uh, Nairobi, or just outside of Nairobi. Uh, we had her back, and uh, we're having her back again because she's got some pretty amazing news. So, Jenny, welcome. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm like so excited to be continuously getting to chat with you all the time and, <laughs> and showing up in this space. Maybe we'll um, get you the co-host. How about that? Don't don't say that. Don't say that loud because I'll challenge you in that. I'll be like <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm just so excited to be here and just excited for um, to share a story a little bit more. I feel like, you know, a lot of you guys have gotten to hear me share like just snapshots of our story over the year of Growing Imani Collective. But I'm excited to announce that we have a book that is launching called Let It Be Wild. And to get that in your hands and to get even more of the nitty gritty details of just how we've grown Imani and the challenges and the celebrations and all of it. So I'm excited to let people a little bit more behind the scenes um, and open that door um, to the public. So, Well, I appreciate you doing that. And I know people get a lot of a lot of smiles, a lot of joy out of seeing what you're doing and the way that you do it. So, um, gosh, there's so many things we could talk about. First of all, you're coming up on your 10th anniversary in yes. late April, I think, or, or May. Late May. Late, May. late May, the 28th, I think, right? Mm-hmm. And, yes. Um, so, you're, so you're coming up on your 10th anniversary. Give us a give us a high level, What what has this 10 years been like? Because I know... And the guests, our, our our listeners will remember when you were guessing the first time that you know you didn't go over there to start a business. That that that's wasn't the first thing on your mind. And yet here you are, mm-hmm. a decade later, with a very successful global business based out of Kenya. So give us a you know the high level synopsis of the last last ten years. Yeah, I think that's you know why it's been a wild story for me because to just see how the Lord has shaped that. Um, and has changed my heart and my mindset to what we're doing and doing it for impact. You know, I came over to just serve in a, a small village and saw gaps and, you know, built relationships with these women and started a training program. But I never at that time thought of how are we sustaining this long term or how are we creating something that is not just going to be relief or short term, but actually, you know, overall prevention and radically change generations within these, you know, these different communities. And so, I think for me, 10 years is a celebration of personally, like a mindset shift, you know, as now my doctorate focused on social sustainability and looking at global social enterprises and then teaching that in the classroom with students as well. I think I'm always like, what is the element of not just being a social entrepreneur, but what is it with faith integration? What does it mean to be actually have social enterprise practices? And to me, that's longevity that's thinking okay when i leave it's still there and there's a legacy you know to be to be left there so i think that's also for me a big celebration of just when i look at the beautiful organic growth of amani collective is not only to see us be successful for people to be able to get our story but to 
all of us as a collective have the mindset shift from charity to actually being a global social enterprise that gets to, you know, bring glory to God in that as well and celebrate him in that process. And so I think that's been one of my biggest, I think, achievements or accomplishments is is that mindset shift of, okay, how are we doing really good stuff and how are we doing that for the Lord, but also how are we doing it strategically? You know, I didn't have any strategy in the, in the beginning and I'm just so thankful for platforms like this to share that, but also mentors and coaches and just having that learned spirit throughout the years. Like you can't stop learning. And I think even till still to this day, it's like, how can we be better? How can we transform? How can we can keep changing our, maybe tweaking our systems to be even greater? Um, and I'm just like, yeah. So I get to thank a lot of people in my book too and share that of just um, those people who influenced me so much over the years and um, just really spoke wisdom in my life and just gave me a chance. I think there was a lot of people who didn't believe of what we could be. And so I'm just thankful for those who who saw the vision with me. Yeah, what a, it, it's really a fascinating journey. It's it's one of the really one of the classic BAM journeys of somebody going overseas with a more of a, a missionary social mm-hmm. service kind of mindset. You know, a lot of c- compassion you know, bright, energetic, but not to go do business. And then th- mm-hmm. that door began to open and watching you now for, gosh, se- several years we've known each other, watching you move yeah. from just that, I won't say naive because I don't think that's fair. I don't see you as naive, but certainly kind of not knowing everything to becoming mm-hmm. a sponge and and willing to be taught and mentored and learn and make mistakes and try new things to now you've become quite, not just you. I mean, I know it's a team, mm-hmm. so you know, and I know God's doing it all. But you've become quite a sophisticated business person, and yet you have not lost your fire for the for the individual and for the community. So that's been for me that that's been a lot of fun to watch. And and you haven't lost. I know Thanks. there are days when you probably thought I don't have any fire left, but <laughs> yeah. in the big picture, you're you're still on fire, and it's a beautiful thing to watch. Thanks. And it's okay to call me naive. I call that out all the time. I was like, yep, I was naive. I was like, had lots of zeal, but I had no idea what I was doing. And I think, you know, it's it's beautiful to see the people, like I said, who've come in my life, both on a like mentors in in my faith and, and challenging me in that, but also mentors on like really strict business acumen. I think one of our biggest pivot points was we got accepted, and I'm not sure if I've shared this in past podcasts, but we got accepted into a program called Stanford Seed Transformation. It was Stanford Seed Transformation Program, and it's with Stanford University. Uh-huh. They picked 60 companies in East Africa, and we were the first ever nonprofit that they allowed to be in this program because we met all of their other credentials. This was in 2020. Um, all their other credentials, but the fact that we were a for-profit entity because we hadn't moved into a hybrid yet. And I will say it was because of that program and people before and that I finally understood, okay, I need to, yeah, know my numbers. I need to know my projections. I need to know what it looks like to put a performer together. I need to know that stuff. Like, I don't need to just, you know, be leaning on other people to tell me, you know, I think I had, I had done so much of that in the past. And I was like, no, I need to know like the ins and outs of my business, not just my impact. And that was the first time that I hired on. Um, I think I've talked about Ryan with Feast Over Famine as being our fractional CFO coming on, helping me navigate numbers. And 
we had a meeting actually just recently and he was like, I was talking through some of our numbers and looking at like a five-year projection thing. And I was, I had taken something we had done and I moved things around and he just like started clapping and he's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you were t- <laughs> you're, you're like telling me what the thing is, like what the model one before, you know, he would be getting all, all my information and putting it together, kind of regurgitating it to me and like, but I was doing it and I felt yeah. so proud, you know, like, yes. And it was because of Stanford Seed, which overflowed to Ryan to getting my projections, which made me eventually be like, yes, we need to be a hybrid and move into this more kind of sophisticated model that, yes, is complex, but also is very beautiful in its nature of where it's going to get us to the next level. And it was because of that that in, in 2021, when we moved into that, that we finally we're able to partner with faith-driven, you know, FDE and FDI, faith-driven investor, faith-driven mm-hmm. entrepreneur in that community and get some of our first investors, first big yeses. And um, yeah, and that's been a really big game changer for us to have that and to be able to grow in spaces that we've always wanted to grow in. But I was nervous and I was really scared to to take on, you know, some capital or take on debt. Um, but the reality is we we did it in a really smart and strategic way for it to to push us forward and have some really cool people um, who are just cheering us on. So that's been fun. So three things you said I want to come back and push a little bit on. So one, you, you refer to this as a hybrid model. And so mm-hmm. explain that to people that are listening that, that don't know exactly what you mean. Because <laughs> that's been a big thing, trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. The usual... There are other models out there, but that's not mm-hmm. usual. So what do you so mean? So I laugh. Be, I laugh because I do specialty classes about this. So we could talk two hours about hybrid because there's many different ways that you can run as a hybridity like and have hybrid um, model, whether an entity or in your finances or diversification of revenue and things. You can be an embedded hybrid where you still are a nonprofit, but you're diversifying your revenue in some way. You can be integrated where you like have a nonprofit and a for-profit. You can be external. There's various different stages, but what we are very integrative. We are for profit and a nonprofit. And the way that I set the hybrid up is it's a long term strategy, right? So, one thing that I wanted to do and what I wanted to create was to prove that our impact could be sustained by profit revenue alone. That if we didn't get one donation dollar, that we would be okay. Like we could still mm-hmm. have just as much impact as we have. Now, the reality of this model is it takes time. So by 20 and what we have projected is by 2026 that we will have a fully sustainable model, meaning that the money that we bring in from our company in the States, and we also have a company in Kenya. So we actually have four entities, two companies in in the States and in Kenya, and we have a nonprofit in the States and we have an NGO in Kenya, and they all work integratively together. But by the sales profit, like by the profit alone from our sales, from our private limited company in Kenya and from our company in the States that they could overflow donations monthly through their profits that would sustain our training programs, our holistic programs, our like what we what we give out and our benefits to our artisans and our trainees in our NGO right now. That's again, that takes time to build a business that is bringing in the right amount of profit. So at this point, in our hybrid model, we still do need foundations um, to partner with us. We still need individuals to partner with us. I mean, I still have to bring in quite a bit of money this year, right, for those programs to work. But with the projections that we have, and as I keep checking in, 
it's a very much it's very much viable um, for this to happen. And I'm excited for when we get to that. And that's not too far in three years where I could be like, hey, Mike, we did it. Like we have a fully sustainable model. And so that idea came, you know, started, I started kind of percolating and thinking of that back in 2019. And it was through that Stanford Seed program and through looking at projections with Ryan and these other people and talking through these strategies of like, okay, this could work. It's just going to take some time for it to work. So that's kind of for me, when I look at a donation um, in the future, like I want it to be for expansion and growth for like, you know, more, um, more impact than we can do not to sustain our current, just like regular programmatic, you know, expenses that we're doing within training or uh, childcare or food programs that we have. I want it to be to a donation to be able to go you know, further. Not not that it's not bad now. Like, give me all your donations out to you, right? But I kind of wanted to exit strategy. Like, I will be in a money collective for a very long time. It's my heartbeat. But I didn't want myself to be the linchpin that if Jenny decided to stop bringing in connections or donations or whatever that might be, that they're going to be okay. Like, it works and it's going to be okay. And a lot of that too, Mike, has to do with training. Like, I do tons of leadership training with my team here so that they have the capabilities and yeah, just talent to to go out and get funding as well. You know, that's again, training them up. And I've been doing that over the last couple of years and really proud of our team in Kenya and in the States um, and that and that support too. We'll be right back after a short break. It's fun to listen to you because I think about how many how many people in the broader businesses mission or social impact business uh, space really feel like you have to be one or the other, mm-hmm. and I, and and you don't. You really don't. I lean hard in the direction of for profit sustainability. And people say, "Well, yeah, okay, that's where we're going," but we're living based on grants and donations now. And someone will come along and say, "Well, then it's not real business." I say, "Well, I, I rethink really that. It's just a different source of capital, right?" I mean, right. You, could be, you could be burning through your life savings. You could be burning through your inheritance. You could be working a side hustle to pay the bills, mm-hmm. or you can basically get eternally minded donors who say, yeah, we're, we're going to invest in this. We don't get a big return out of it uh, in a financial way, but it is an enabling mm-hmm. something to get going. And the long-term view of being able to say, not only that it is financially self-sustainable, but it's also the idea that you're raising up your leaders so that, you know, God forbid you get run over by the bus in the classic uh, Nairobi uh, traffic jams, <laughs> you know, the thing doesn't end with you. And I mm-hmm. think we we pay lip service to that often, but I, I've seen so many Americans in particular go overseas, start a church, and 30 years later, they're still pastoring that church. Like, right. I can't argue with that because I don't know God's will for their life, but I know that it just doesn't seem like that's the, the, the long-term play of really raising mm-hmm. up, not, not just the next generation of leaders, but generations plural of leadership so that this thing becomes, you know, everything that you, that you dream for it to be. So I love, I love that story. Tell us, I want to talk about the the thought about investment because you told me earlier, and then you alluded to it just a second ago that you were uh, fearful of debt or fearful of uh, investors and so forth. Understand that, totally understand that. Most of the companies I've started, we bootstrapped, but not every one of them. (laughs) And so I know the fear of most people, again, back in the in the business's mission space are, are kind of living a little arm's length from the investment community. Now, thankfully, 
Henry and Ruben and some of the other folks okay. at DI and FDE have really begun to to take that to a new place and make it much more normal. But talk about your transition there. You really did. That's a pivot, knowing you now for, I guess, three years, maybe four years. And, and yeah. see the pivot, that didn't surprise me, but I'm just curious as to how you got to it and what it felt like. Yeah, I think, you know, for the longest time I was, I had the charity mindset and I, because we just had such supportive individuals over the years. So I knew that, okay, you know, I was not ever thinking truly strategically. I'd be like, oh, let's hire this. We need more, you know, like we want more impact. In the end though, it was like how I always guaranteed a consistent salary, right? This is part of my story of like, I never have paid per piece item. Like we've always given consistent salary. Now, on months where we weren't selling anything because that happened like for a while, right? Before we actually had a clear strategy. I was just dependent on these donors. So I would always just was in crisis management. And that is how I lived and managed Imani Collective for a long time. And I'm actually already like starting to draft a new book about fund development and how I hurt so many relationships because I... The, like this future but it's just like I want people to know like what not to do because I did so much of that and I'm so grateful for people who are just have forgiving hearts who like hear me out now and I'm just like I'm so sorry for like you always feeling I just came to you for like that dollar you know and so that's really interesting in that mindset in the nonprofit of just always tapping on people's door and so for me another fearful so I always knew that was like a backup plan. And so I always never like, right, moved into strategy. And so I was like, okay, we got to change here. But what was my biggest fear is I, there are several, and I won't say them on this podcast, but there are several companies that we always have been compared to. Um, interesting enough, some have shut down, um, but we were always compared to them um, in kind of the artisan space. And I try not to get annoyed with that over the years. They were a couple years ahead of us, you know, I just feel like we're different. And I kept watching what they were doing, though, and like really observing. And one of the things of company A that kept doing is they kept bringing on debt and the the founder was just not smart about it. And I would observe <laughs> it and observe it and found out later, you know, they were in millions of dollars of debt and just like had gotten so, again, just trying to find a quick fix, a quick fix. And so my quick fix was always, oh, go to the donor, <laughs> go to the donor, yeah. right? We're going to make it with the donation. But like the bad part about that is it burned out my donors and it like literally brought, that's so much stress on a leader when you're just like in that crisis constantly. And so I was like, we have to get out of that, but how are we strategic? in bringing on investment. And I think by allowing other people to speak into my life, to stop comparing myself with, okay, that's what they did. You know, the beauty of that is I saw what they did and I knew what it, what they did and several other companies did. Okay. So I knew we wanted to do it differently. And so I just learned, you know, and I learned the spaces that I needed to be in and pitch in that would understand what I was trying to say because I had pitched many times friends and family rounds or you know, just close networks that I felt would understand and they just never did. It just kept being a closed door and a closed door, a lot of no's. And so not only was I fearful to take on debt, I was really like disheartened by so many no's that I had um, gotten already. But I, I heard an a interesting statistic the other day and they said, you have to pitch like 35 to 40 times before you finally get your first yes. And I will say that's pretty like, like spot on because <laughs> until we got like, 
our even our first yes for like a small investment, maybe like ten thousand or five thousand, ten thousand. Until we got that small yes, it was like I had a lot of no's before and yeah. a lot of practice <laughs> of how to like share our story. But it been used grateful to be, for it used to be twenty, that. they would say, and so now it's up to thirty, thirty-five, which doesn't surprise me. Yes, it's a lot more fish in the sea. But you're yes. right; you can't handle the no's. Of course, you know the rule that if you don't ask, it's always no. Um, yeah, it's hard. It, it's very hard, and I wonder. Again, I think about our listeners. I wonder how many of them are are really fearful of the ask. Um, you know, yeah. they don't they don't mind taking on investors. They just wish they'd show up at the door with money and not have to be asked. It doesn't doesn't mm-hmm. work like that. So, yeah. Uh, wh- what difference has it made to your business to to Imani that you've been able to bring in these investors? Uh, have you? And I'm thinking in terms of have you given up any control? Uh, has it opened up new doors, new opportunities, expansion? What what's what what has happened as a result of of finally, you know, biting the bullet, getting out there, doing it, and being successful at it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what difference has it made? Yeah, you know, um, I'm we're currently like in process for the first time that I might give up uh, a bit of equity to be able to strategically move into uh, different like marketing, sales, kind of areas. But right now I do still have full like ownership of Amani. I think what's been beautiful is the people that I have, again, they have to say yes to you, but you know, the beauty is I can say no to them. Right. So it's like, that's what I've learned too, is like, wow, this is like, if it doesn't align, right. Like I can, like, I also have that, that power to do that. I think when you want, when you need money and you kind of need to move or need it to maneuver to grow like you feel a little bit of the pressure that they have the the higher negotiation power but the reality is you have it as well and if you have a story right that is they want to be a part of it's it's intriguing and they gravitate towards that and so i found that i have a little bit of that superpower of like we have an amazing story our culture is amazing and we continue to grow year over year like there's not a loss in that and so we do have something something there now our business is not like a tech business or it's not something that is going to just like skyrocket it is a very like steady growth and we have to you know what we have to grow with our demand so being handmade and slow made there's there's processes to this that it's not going to be like this fast fast growth but and so for me it's not a great equity sell like most people are like well like how like we're not going to be making like tons of money and that's to be like or tons of profits until we get to a certain year as i've projected right and i'm like it's still not going to be like tons of profits off of just what we're sustaining either but it's going to be a beautiful sustainable model so i'm like I'm not sure if you want like equity in this but i think what's been great is having the impact investors all of our loan like all of our debt is loan to debt and in very patient capital so that's been my sell is like I know I can turn profit with what you're giving me and put it into marketing, put it into, you know, different, a lot of where we're going is into marketing. And now this year, face-to-face markets, being back to grow our wholesale and our trade shows. We, March 1st, we're launching a distribution center in the UK. Um, so that's happened this year. You know, there's like, so we're now getting to go into different regions. So I I know where where our growth is. I know where we're going. You just have to be patient with me paying that back, right? So a lot of people, they just see the joy and they just want to be a part of the impact of we are almost employing almost 200 people here. So what does that look like? Wow. And we're partnering that's, now with other people. 
That's almost you know, double so that, since we started talking. Right. So they just want to be a part of that. And so those are the people I'm aligned with where it's like, okay, yeah, it's going to be like 10% or less interest, right? And it's slow. I'm going to pay you back in about three years and we're going to defer it a little bit. But those people get, those are the people I want to partner with because they they understand I need the influx to be able to move the needle, to be able to get continued marketing, to grow my e-commerce, to be not only successful in our wholesale and across the regions in the US, Canada, Australia, UK, and all these places are growing, but to also be a leading e-commerce. And that takes some money to put into marketing. Right. And so people really see that and understand that. And um, I'm just, yeah, been grateful for that. Well, and it's and it's so important. And I've my own company has been private equity backed from the beginning. And we were bought and sold six times before I finally got out. And sometimes they wow. would buy into your vision. You know, the investor would buy in and they say, we believe in what you're doing. We believe in the way you're doing it. That was really fun. And other times mm -hmm. they didn't. And we mm -hmm. had dysfunctional boards and we had investors that wanted their money back way ahead of what was reasonable. So, you know, having the kind of investors and and, and uh, creditors that you've been able to, to bring on, I mean, that's a dream. And and yeah, you mentioned, I mean, I, I, speaking from an American perspective, which is where obviously I'm headquartered. Right now, eight to ten percent interest sounds really good. Uh, yeah. You know, when when, when the banks are paying 075 percent, you know, yeah. and and the stock market is not returning, you know, eight percent on uh, you know on average. So there's a lot of financial goodness there. But but the other side of it, and I don't know if you've read the book or seen the book that that Don Simmons put out, uh, Stuart, the Stewart Investor. Uh, oh, wow. I would encourage you to not only read it but also to share it with your community particularly the, the investor community, because it, the thinking about a kingdom capital mindset versus just a mm -hmm. capital mindset is, right. it's really quite quite healthy. And it's what you just described. You know, we, we believe in what you're trying to accomplish. We're willing to, to hang in there. We're not trying to get rich. Yes, we want return, but we're mm -hmm. not trying to get rich. And we also we recognize there may be some increased risk, but that's okay. It's for the kingdom. It's not a donation. It's not charity, but it's a right. thoughtful capital uh, that he he calls it the steward investor. And I, I really, I, I we like had a that. podcast on it, and I'm a I'm a huge huge fan of it. Speaking of, we start coming in for landing here. Your book, okay? It, yes. But we want to we want to we want to hear about that. Uh, I've got a few notes here. It's going to be coming out May 29th of this year. Mm -hmm. It will yep. be available on Amazon and many other portals. Yes. And the name of it is Let It Be Wild. And uh, I got to yes. ask you this question, and then I want you to tell us about it. The uh, uh, Is it going to be by uh, Jennifer Nuccio, PhD, or is it just going to be by Jenny Nuccio? It's going, I actually am putting Dr. Jenny Nuccio. So I, I asked that, I asked that song I've got, I'm going to, I'm going to stamp it there. <laughs> so I do that. <laughs> I but I laugh because I just put by Jenny Nuccio and then my illustrator um, did the cover. So she's our illustrator at Amani Collective. So she created this beautiful cover for it, and it's just amazing. And so when she sent it back to me, she had put Dr. Jenny Nuccio, and I was like, I guess it's coined. We're just gonna keep it there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. what I love it. But yes. I, I, we'll put this will all be in the show notes. We'll have the website for Amani Collective. Many of the listeners already know about it, but we have new listeners that don't. So it'll be in the show notes the name of the book, and it'll be by Dr. Jennifer Nuccio. 
uh, which I think is fun. I see you're smiling. You guys can't see her because we're doing a Zoom video, but, <laughs> but you, all you get is this, this sign. You can probably hear the smile on her when she talks. Um, all right, so tell us about the book. A, what what moved you to write it? And then what is it we should expect to see in it? Right. So I think a lot of people are going to expect to hear what we kind of talked about. And it's it's not really that. It's really my story. And it's not written in chronological order. I put a t- I put timelines throughout the book because I bounce back and forth from when I'm sitting in a minyata in Turkana with our women and then when I'm, you know, in college and and going through just growing pains, right, to where when I met my husband. And I actually talk a lot about my husband in the book because he has a, an amazing story. Um, so I was like, if you're not going to tell your story, I'm going to tell your story. <laughs> so he's interwoven throughout the book of just how much I've learned from him and how to be so immersive um, and how to love others with so much grace. Because I think a lot of, actually, I know a lot of how I lead is influenced by what he's taught me in the just being the hands and feet of Jesus. And so I think for me, it's, yes, it's the genesis of why I, you know, went to Kenya in the first place and how I got there. Um, but the book really shows my growth in leadership. It shows lessons I've learned over the years um, and that big mindset shift, right? I, I talk a lot about how we just live differently with an open door policy. And again, being immersed in community and really listening, radically listening to to the community, what they need um, versus me assuming, right, what they need. And so mm-hmm. just kind of these practices and and things that I've learned um, over the years. And I called it Let It Be Wild because that's exactly what it's been. It's been this journey of just, yeah, just encompassing that kind of wild spirit, but not a reckless wild. It's this this spirit of truly listening to where the Lord is opening the doors and not being afraid to walk through them. Like that yeah. has been my whole journey. And so I encourage readers throughout the book of how are you encompassing your Let It Be Wild spirit? It doesn't mean you move overseas right and it like what's in your backyard how can you use your talents and your skills that the lord has equipped you with to go out and serve him with all your ability and your strength and your might and so i think although it's my story i tie it back to again how are you going out there and let it you know just letting it be wild (laughs) it sounds very much like if we were sitting in having a cup of coffee in kenya and we had an hour or so to for you to share your heart on a personal level. Yep. It sounds like that's what the book is. Yeah. It's a lot of, I, I'm so glad I journaled a lot in my early like years of coming to Kenya. You know, I've spent now over a third of my life here and more Kenyan than I really am American now, mannerisms and things that I do. But I'm so glad I journaled because I was able to, when I went back to my mom's house, pull out all these journals that I had over all of my first trips and what I processed back then. Like that stuff I don't remember, you know, but I was able to read through all of my thoughts and the way I would process the way I thought back then, which was fascinating. And be able to pull from that to be able to be inspired to to put my mind back there um, in some of those stories, especially in the beginning stories of me stepping for the first time in Kenya and what that looked like. So um, so inspired by journals and prayer journals and things. Um, yeah, and just my story. I can't wait to get a copy of it. Um, in fact, you promised me one, so I'm going to give you my address. I know. Yes, uh, you have to. <laughs> I, I, do, I definitely want to encourage all of our listeners to, when it comes out, get a copy, share a copy, 
Jenny's delightful to get to know. She's got such a great spirit and joy. And God is using her in some uh, very groundbreaking ways that she wouldn't have dreamed of, which is what tells me it's a God thing and not a Jenny thing. Uh, but you've been willing, as you say, right. to let it be wild, to walk through the doors. He's opened them, and, it's, and that's been fun to watch. So uh, always good to catch up. We'll After the book is back out, we'll get you back on again. Uh, we'll be, you'll be the first one to get to the fourth episode. The uh, yeah. But the other thing is, <laughs> I, don't know if you, I don't know if you guys saw this or heard this or not, but Jenny alluded to another book already that's germinating. Yes. Uh, so at some point mm-hmm. in the year or two, we'll be talking more about another one, so. Jenny, any last words of encouragement mm-hmm. or, or wisdom for our listeners before we sign off? I think just, yeah, go out, you do you, and let it be wild. Let it be Boom. wild. I <laughs> Mic it. drop. I love the title. I absolutely love the title, and it speaks of freedom that we as believers should be enjoying every day. Not not keeping the rules, not doing the rules, but being wild for the Lord. Yeah, that's free, right? It's mm-hmm. for freedom that Jesus has set us yeah. free. So I I, I love that. So uh, again, look at the show notes, Jenny Nuccio from ImaniCollective.com and check it out. Check out the products. Who knows? You just missed Christmas, but you may have some birthdays or anniversaries or stuff you want to get. So check it out. Look for the book in May and uh, we will definitely be, uh, we'll be keeping in touch with you, Jenny. It's been fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Business as Mission podcast. We invite you to become part of the story by supporting the BAM podcast at patreon.com slash BAM stories. There's a link in the notes with this episode. For more information, go to thirdpathinitiative.com or triventure.com. Please share this podcast and give us a review wherever you listen. The Business as Mission podcast is in partnership with TriVenture, the BAM Launchpad. TriVenture offers the three ingredients every entrepreneur needs to launch and scale a BAM business, courses, coaching, and capital. For more information, visit TriVenture.com.